Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Child. Guys, we are here with episode 75. Holy guacamole, I cannot believe how successful and fun this season has been. And this guest on this episode proves to keep the fire and the flame of excitement going. I get to speak with Octavia Abel, and she is someone who has helped me reshift my thinking on education. Like I'm really thinking about going back and, and looking at my document that I've wrote on my philosophy of education. And even more importantly, around my thoughts around computer science, is it something that I'm diving into very heavily as our state's trying to wrap their head around computer science standards that have been approved. And Octavia, in this conversation, says so many things that helped me rethink and reshift the purpose and point of why we need to layer in and include computer science for all our students. Guys, you're going to love this episode. So many great ideas. Even if you're not um, feeling that you understand computer science, but you're involved in education, this episode applies to you on so many levels. So please listen to the wisdom of Octavia. Check out the work that she's doing. She has some incredible work in terms of developing um, a much bigger cause and idea and landscape around the importance of education as we start to nurture the next generation of leaders and people um, bringing their voices to the areas of our society um, that can make the decisions needed to make our world and society and communities a better place. So let's dive into this episode with Octavia Abel. Absolutely phenomenal. I have such high regard for her, and I can't wait for you to get connected with her if you haven't heard or heard of her information and message before. Enjoy. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the boring. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello, everyone. How you doing? This is Coffee Chug, and I am here with another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. And this guest is someone who I've been kind of lurking, for lack of better terms, of all the work that she's doing. And, and when I came across an article on ISTE on, on her passion, her ideas around computer science, I knew that I had to reach out to her and, and have some conversations about the work that she's doing and, and the things that she's seeing around the nation and the educational landscape around computer science. And so um, I'm so excited to have this guest on. And so Octavia, why don't we just dive right into the conversation, but first start start off by introducing who you are and then and, and kind of explain the work that you do. You kind of have worn many hats over the course of all the work that you do. So um, let people kind of know who you are and uh, what you got going on. Great, Aaron. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here today and have the opportunity to chat with you. Um, so my name is Octavia Abel. And for the past um, 10 months or so, I've been working with ISTE on bringing um, computer science and computational thinking to more educators and thinking about ways that we can really expand um, within our within the community that's been focused on access and in increasing opportunities for students to learn CS, to really think about new partnerships and ways that we can broaden the tent of educators who are involved in that work. So really being, um, really being expansive in the community and making sure that we provide 
provide um, real supports that are relevant and meaningful um, for all educators, not just those who have been typically um, focused and working on computer science. Before that work, um, I was in Rhode Island as the director of strategy for the State Office of Innovation. Um, and that was where I designed and led the CS for Rhode Island initiative, which was Rhode Island's first um, ever statewide computer science education initiative where we launched the goal to have computer science um, offered in every one of our public schools in under two years um, and worked with a fantastic team there. And I'm also um, recently have, have launched a new organization called Govern for America that's working to build the next generation of public sector leaders. Um, so that we can solve some of the really tough problems that we see, like bringing access to computer science education um, to all students through collaborations with innovators in government who can work um, with partners across other sectors and spaces to solve some of the toughest problems that we see facing our communities today. So a few yeah. hats off. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, there's, and as you're explaining all that, there's so many questions running through my head. So maybe the first one to start with is maybe through that ISTE lens here a little bit. So as you've taken this this role on to help get this computer science, um, the initiatives and the ideas going, um, you know, beyond just Rhode Island. And I know, I mean, the, the goal there is to get this expanded through. And I know in Iowa, uh, our computer science standards actually will go live and official this summer in, in July. And so we were part of that planning committee to get it rolling. And so I know more and more states are jumping on board. Uh, but as you're doing this work, um, one of the things that I that I see a lot where I do is so many people have this mental barrier, this this buffer going, I can't do this. I'm not a computer science person. I don't know how to code. I mean, you know, you just we see it. And so we we have this shift where I think people know that there's a need, but the the the, the I guess like the education to get educators equipped to be able to do these things is needs to pick up pace. I know that's a lot of the work that you're doing. So as, as you're working with schools and people all over, what are you seeing like to help people kind of grasp the concept that this is doable? I think a lot of people know that it's important, but like, what's it look like for my school? Um, and so what have been some things that you've seen that maybe you can kind of speak on? I'm sure you, you have lots of conversation to hear lots of things from different people. Um, can you, can you speak to that a little bit, that it's, you know, it's not so scary. There are things in place. There are supports. There are all these things happening, um, you know, especially in the role that, that, that you're serving. Absolutely. It's a, it's, you know, it's a great point. I think for me, the number one, um, the number one element that's important that I saw certainly in the work in Rhode Island and also um, through the work that I've been doing with ISTE is really valuing the, um, the unique goals that individual educators have for themselves and their students in their school community, and also the experience and the insights that they have. You know, they may not be an expert in every aspect of computer science, or they may really not feel comfortable at all with computer science, but they know their students and they know their parents and they know the school community and bringing value to those assets in the way that we think about the supports and the opportunities that we need to make available and co-create with those communities, I think is has huge, huge impact, not just in creating buy-in for these initiatives that are rolling out and the new work that's happening, but creating true ownership, which can really drive forward the sustainability of the work. So for me, that's the number one thing. Um, some of the, the, a lot of the work that I've been doing with ISTE recently has focused on, um, you know, I sort of mentioned this in the beginning, but this idea of broadening the tent. So it's not 
just important for the APCS teacher teaching 11th graders to to be involved with computer science. It's also the third grade teacher who needs to build computational thinking skills for their students and really make the connections to how computing and CS touch every aspect of our lives. Um, and that even if you know you think that that's not your wheelhouse, there are there are opportunities to deepen learning and engage with your students and finding elements of CSNCT that can make um, that can create these aha moments for students and really help deepen instruction in other areas. So a lot um, much of the work that I've been doing with ISTE focused on creating these new CT competencies that we designed um, as pedagogical strategies and a guide to helping educators who are new to CS think about how these practices could be used in their classrooms to inform the work of their students. So, you know, one example, if um, in an ELA classroom, if you are, you know, what is, what is a story, right? What, what is a story? Right. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a conversation or it's a, it's an idea of explaining how something happens or, 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 you know, using your imagination to paint a picture of, of something awesome. Yeah. And it can be a step-by-step process that helps lead us to an endpoint. And another word for that, right, is an algorithm. So how do we create, how do we create processes and systems and frame it through the lens of, um, ELA, but also through the lens of computer science and computational thinking and how those practices and, you know, abstracting concepts or recognizing patterns or debugging, a, you know, a problem when something didn't turn out the way you thought it was going to be. How can we find those parallels in other places where educators may already be doing that work with students on a day-to-day basis, but they don't make the explicit connection. They don't call it computational thinking. They don't call it computer science. And so how do we find opportunities to connect those pieces so it doesn't feel like this added thing and it doesn't feel like a a burdensome, scary piece. It feels like something that can be used to really drive, um, drive student engagement. And again, that, you know, reach those goals that individual educators have for themselves as, as learners and, and for their students. I love it. I love it. And in my head as you're talking, I mean, if I was in a crowd and you were giving that as a speech, I'd be going, amen, hallelujah, sister. Uh, so you're, you're so spot on. And so as, as you're talking about that, I love that that integration of, because I think that's the key piece is helping educators see that it, it's not one more thing that they have to try to squeeze into an eight-hour day when they're already burdened with 20 hours of work. Um, and so it, it, it there and just like you said, a lot of them are probably already doing aspects of this. And so, as you're working through that and building out the, these competencies and these examples and these guys that help teachers, what are some of the myths and misconceptions that people have? Because I think a lot of times, I know, like when I speak with educators, you know, the first thing that says, "I don't know how to code," and I'm like, "Well, it's it's way more than it's not." Coding, yes, it's, it's an element of it, but there's so much more to, you know, computer science than just an hour of code or putting kids in front of scratch. I mean, both great program. I don't mean that in a negative way. But, like, what are the other kind of myths or misconceptions that as you work with people and, and have conversations that are out there that, that we might need to kind of demystify a little bit for those that are listening in? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, that's a huge one, is the, the idea that 
computer science is so much more than coding. Um, coding isn't, you know, coding and programming is an aspect of computer science. But if you look at resources like the K-12 framework or the CSTA standards for students that really outline um, different learning objectives and benchmarks at grade levels and, and how we as a community collectively think about the big ideas and concepts that are important, you know, programming is is one one small aspect. There are, for me, one of the most um, most important com- ideas in computer science is this notion of how computing connects to society and what are the impacts that we've seen in transforming our systems um, that that technology and, and computer science have really driven and led, and how do we by giving students and educators the opportunity to engage in those spaces because they understand and they're learning how those systems work and interact to change behavior and create new opportunities to engage people in in um, in collaborations and conversations that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. You know, we, we create these new opportunities to bring folks into the conversations around solving some of the biggest challenges that we're, we're seeing today as a, as a global society. I mean, I really, I really do believe that some of the biggest issues that we're going to solve in the future are going to have computer science at some, in, you know, in some form or fashion as part of that solution. And so for me, um, really looking expansively about how do all, how do networks and systems and computing devices really impact our world is such a valuable tool for um, for students to be engaging with and, and thinking about. Um, particularly, you know, yesterday, election day all over the country and thinking about how, um, you know, the impacts of technology on elections and, and media and, um, you know, bringing, bringing information to different groups of people. It's just so relevant in so many different spaces that we would not traditionally think of as a tech or a a CS field. Um, I think another, you know, another area that's really exciting to me is this idea of creativity and giving students the tools to express themselves. Um, I remember one, class visit that we did in Rhode Island, um, there was a student who had come, um, who had recently come to the, come to the state from another country. And his, you know, his teacher told me that he had been very, very closed off and not really, um, not really open to engaging with other students, very shy. And when they started, um, when they started programming in Scratch and using, they were asked to, um, they were asked to create a story about their families um, and animate it using Scratch. And that was the, he started through that experience helping other students who were having trouble um, doing the work and his, you know, you could just see the the aha moment and the eyes light up. And for him, that was a really meaningful channel, you know, that, that thing kind of gives me goosebumps. And I think the power of, um, being able to create new ways. And so I want to, I want to connect that to the work that you're doing in terms of like the pipeline and why there's a need. But before we dump, dive into that, I mean, I love hearing these, these stories about students. I love hearing the, those aha moments, those, those light bulb events taking shape. And so for me, the question is like, what was your spark? I mean, you're doing this work. What was it for you that was kind of, that got you down this pathway of, of looking at computer science and looking at, at, at the global system and seeing the needs 
for these things and doing the work that you did with Rhode Island because I think for so many teachers listening in, we, we all have these stories of the impacts that we've had. And I think, you know, as we keep bringing people into the fold and getting voices such as yours, who's doing some amazing work, I think it's so important um, that we see that, like, something happened and oftentimes it was something that that happened when we were a kid i was just speaking to another guest and 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 she got to, got to play this game and, and when she was eight years old in, in school she could vividly remember called micro worlds and that was the catalyst for her doing the work that she's now doing in stem and so what was it what was it for you though I mean, what, what was that that spark that you're like this is the stuff that that, that I'm, I'm interested in yeah that's, that's such a great question um i think you know, I think for me, it was really the it was really the idea that before before working to working around computer science and trying to expand access for students in Rhode Island, um, I had never really seen anything that meant so many different things to so many different people. And the idea that one concept for some people could be about um, creating a stronger workforce, or it could be about creating access to economic opportunity, or it could be about um, artistic and creative expression, or um, being able to persist through challenges and build grit and problem solve. And the idea that one one idea could really spark off a chain reaction of, of engagement and building a community based around this idea of collective impact and, and, and one goal, but that manifested in so many different ways was just a really, um, a really powerful drive for me. Cause I've always been very interested in the notion of networks and how we build, um, how we find ways to tell a story that bring people on board, even if it's not, you know, my story is going to be different from your story, Aaron. Right, and right. Why we, and why we kind of care about this one vision. And so when we um, started thinking about CS for Rhode Island, um, when I was on the governor's policy team there, the we were, you know, we sort of started thinking about it as, as I think many policymakers do for, as an economic argument, um, and very much in terms of we have a lot of jobs in the in the tech space and we want to create access to economic opportunity for Rhode Islanders. You know, how do we create a pipeline so people can, um, can, can reach those jobs, but it became so quickly, so much more, more than that. And that for me became, you know, one of like the third or fourth or even fifth arguments because we worked with educators who had such you know, broader visions for their students and why it mattered and why they thought it was important. Um, and so, and that, that idea that you can find so much common ground while also really valuing individuals' insights and, and, and cares um, and, and perspectives is something that I think is, um, you know, we can take a lesson from not just in computer science and, and initiatives to expand access, but really in the way that we approach all types of problems that we're grappling with as a community. Right, right. I love it. Yeah, that's so good. And so as as you're working through these these ideas and trying to come up with solutions to these problems that are very real for, for so many, so a teacher's listening in, they know that computer science is important, and I, I, I can only imagine so many are nodding their head and going, I never thought about it in terms of creativity and the story, and now they're intrigued by, by those layers there. But in the bigger picture, not that it's the reason why we do all of this, but um, in, in some of the other hats that you wear, there, there's also a very real need um, for, for our students to be 
exposed to this type of thinking, to be exposed to be able to come up with solutions to problems. And so um, can you speak a little bit to that? Because I know um, when I was reading up on the, on the other website, you're talking about, about the pipeline, and I was really intrigued by the, the, the big boom of retirees going to be happening. I was reading through the websites and the stats. And so um, just making sure that we have this next wave of leaders and, 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 and innovative problem solvers. And so can you talk a little bit about that pipeline? Not that it's the sole reason of why we need to think about computer science in, in schools, but it's definitely one layer that we need to be cognizant about as we start thinking about the bigger landscape of our society, not just as a nation, but also as a global society, because everything is so interwoven in, in so many different fabrications of our, of our life and the things that we do. Okay, so can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Because as, as I was reading it, like, I feel like I'm pretty much like on on top of things for the most part. I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not uh, an ex- I'm not calling myself an expert. So I'm just thinking about that that classroom teacher that's putting 60, 70 hours into their classroom that just don't have time to kind of like see this, you know, this filter bubble. Kind of what we were talking about before we hit record. Like you work in a school, you get in your in, in your filter bubble because that is your real world. And we we're like, oh man, there's all these other things happening. Like how did I not know this? And so could you kind of speak to to some of that the, the other work that you're doing and, and and why this is important for the education system? Absolutely. Um, so when when I was in Rhode Island, um, one of the things that was really surprising to me was that so many young people today feel really passionate about having a social impact. Um, if you look, I mean, if you look at the statistics, they will blow you out of the water. It's something like ninety-four percent of millennials want to have a career where they where they have a social impact. We've never seen that um, type of demand in, in any generation previously. And I think with generation um, generation Z and students who are leaving high school today, that is, you know, even more pronounced. But not young and although many young people are engaged in rallies and they might be involved in political campaigns, they don't always see government as the um, as an avenue for meaningful change. At the, at the same time, government is, and states in particular, which is where I, I've spent a lot of my focus, are hugely influential in, in our day-to-day lives. You know, you go, back to the, you go back to the educator. Part of the reason that, you know, that day is so packed is, is because of policies that may have been created with, with, with him or her in mind, but it may, they may have been created, you know, Without, with an absence of really understanding what it's like to sit in their shoes mm. on a day basis and what what challenges their students are grappling with. Um, and so for me, this notion of how do we build a generation of leaders in government and, pub- and public service who come from the communities who are most impacted by those policy decisions and can really not only bring a voice to the ballot box, but are the people who are doing the day-to-day work of making sure that the systems that we structure and the regulations that we put in place and the programs that we design are really created with people at the center. Um, And when I think about how computer science informs that work, it's not just that we need more um, technical talent in states because so much of service delivery today with government and, and, and engagement with government kind of happens in a virtual space and online. But it's really about having people who understand those broader and have those broader skills around effective communication and 
critical thinking and data-driven analysis and problem solving that computer science and computational thinking can really help build. Um, and so I really see computer science education not just as a way to you know create create more opportunity for individuals, but I think it's a way to strengthen our society by giving people the tools um, to engage in a world that is you know completely different when I went to school and is changing every day. Yeah. And that's so and then and that's a big reason um, why I think it's so important. I love it. I love it. And I just I can listen to you talk all day. You have such a passion for what you do, and I think anybody listening in um, can easily feel that as you're as you're fielding these questions. So I know we're kind of going big scale, small scale, big scale. We kind of got this weird ebb and flow. And so as, as people are hearing this, they're, they're they're wrapping their head around what does it mean for them as an educator, especially you know, we think about I think about elementary educators in terms of like what are those next steps for them. I think at secondary, sometimes it could be a little bit easier because you kind of have classes. You can you can kind of get that computer science teacher and that kind of thing so the person listening in is going okay i'm on board octavia is, is convincing me that i need to start to think about how to get my kids exposed to this what advice would you offer to someone who's just getting started or just trying to wrap their head around what does it mean for me and my kiddos in my classroom what was it what would be those first couple of steps that you that you would suggest to them to make sure that they don't burn themselves out and get so frustrated that they give up right away and we lose an opportunity to maybe create that spark for that next generation. Yeah. Um, leverage your community. There are, there may be educators in your building or in your district who are, who are thinking about the same things and, and doing that work. And so, and so, you know, really, really leverage those people. Think about maybe there are um, parents or folks in your community who work in a tech role or work for um, a company that is thinking about these things on a day-to-day -day basis? How do you bring them in to collaborate with your students and, and really help to inspire what, what they could do in the future and what they might think about moving forward? Um, I think that's hugely important. There are also fantastic networks of educators that are thinking about this. The ISTE's Computer Science Professional Learning Network is a really active community involved in this space. The CSDA has chapters around the country. Um, there are many, you know, educators who have been trained and, and done professional development with organizations like code.org and they are involved in spaces. And so, you know, it's really, we're, we're lucky that now we're, we're living in a time when you can probably throw a stone or maybe something a little, maybe something a little softer, you know, you feel <laughs> um, and you can probably find someone very, very close to you who is, who is thinking about the same things and cares about this work um, or can, or can connect you to someone who is, I think, uh, you know, another, another really exciting piece is to think about what are the opportunities, even if educators in your building aren't directly, um, directly doing this work, but how do you, Think about projects that cut across the discipline area that you may be teaching. So really think about, because so much of this is interdisciplinary in nature, how do you create um, project-based learning opportunities that really allow students to be as expansive and creative in their learning as they are in their thinking and their and their play on a day-to-day -day basis? I get, you know, I love... Um, when I'm when I'm at a school, being able to uh, cross times with with recess because I think you can learn so much from watching students interact and play, um, and how 
how, you know, it, how expansive and broad their ideas about what they can pull into that, um, into that game can look like. And, and can we do the same thing with education and, and really, you know, expanding the limits of what is, what makes sense and, and, you know, and what doesn't, and how do we pull in um, inputs and, and resources from many, many different spaces to to serve this um, broader vision of how do we how do we deepen student learning and the takeaways that they walk away from, even if it doesn't perfectly fit into one little box, and how can we kind of be okay with that? And I think the you know the third and maybe the most important space for for me, um, and I think it's a place that I really live in on a day-to-day basis, is being comfortable in beta. Understanding that it might not always work the first time. You don't need to be an expert. It's okay if you're, and it's actually great and valuable if you're learning things at the same time and in collaboration with your students and really building that trust that things aren't always going to work out the first time. And guess what? We're going to try another channel through. And we've learned more from that experience than we would have if it just all gone swimmingly the first time. Yeah, I love that. I love that. uh, Be comfortable in beta. That has such a ring to it. I think that that's that's so important. Um, I was at our... I was speaking to someone else and when we were talking about this kind of culture and policy change and then the thing he said was we have to learn to be brave and it's very similar to being comfortable in beta like we don't have to be experts all the time and I think the thing that you hit on that's that's so so important too is get out there and build your network you know and I know we we hear this all the time but do we actually do it. You're, you're not alone. I think so many times people feel like they're they're in isolation in these thoughts and feelings, and they're not. And for everyone that feels that way, there's someone in, in your same kind of shoes that has found a way to overcome those barriers to make it happen. And so it's just getting out there and, and connecting with people and asking questions and and realizing that we are are all in this together, no matter what kind of, kind of role we serve. And I think that that's such an important piece that you bring to the table and, and, the, and those ideas because. As much as we know it, the minute we start to kind of get nervous and downplay ourselves, those ideas kind of go right out the window. And so um, it doesn't always require us to have to go and get a PhD and do four book studies. Sometimes it's just learning to ask and saying, I don't know. And so I think that that, that's so important. And even though you're not an expert, you may not be an expert in that one thing you bring something else to the table and you're valued for what you do bring and the, you know, and the collaboration and the chance that you bring by just being there to push the conversation forward. So, you know, also being confident that you do bring something to the table, even if it's not the same thing as everyone else who's always already there. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely trying to, to, to break that mental mode that, None of us are necessarily experts, but the idea that we're all lifelong learners and our own life journeys allow us, just like you said, to bring things to the table that someone else maybe not be able to bring due to life experiences or situations. So it's it's getting over that barrier that oh man, Octavia, she's so much smarter than me. Like I I can't I, you know I can't have a conversation with her. Whereas yes, you you're you're incredibly smart and know the things here, and maybe I know something here, and together we can combine our superpowers. I always I always like to do in my in my sessions, bringing the you know showing the graphics of the old old uh, I date myself for the old Captain Planet cartoon where you've got the kids with their superpower rings, you know, and they all have their superpowers, but collectively together they create Captain Planet, and I just think it's such a great great kind of metaphor and symbol for the idea like we all have our superpowers and we combine it, man, we can really do some amazing things. We can kind of create our own kind of 
Captain Planet, so to speak. I gotta, I gotta figure out a different name for that because Captain Planet doesn't quite have the education ringtone to it. But uh, you know, I'll add it to my uh, to-do list. So, <laughs> well, I definitely want to be respectful of your time because I know that you're extremely busy with lots of things. And so, as we kind of bring this to a close here, are there any kind of final thoughts or ideas that you want to leave the listeners with that um, we didn't bring to the table in our conversations um, as we kind of wrap all this up because you've brought so many amazing insights uh, for us to think about, but is there anything else that uh, you, you want to make sure we, we uh, get across? You know, I would just say that the, in my professional career and my academic experience, you know, growing up and then, and then all through university, there's, there are no people who stick out to me more than really phenomenal and teachers and they and at every stage of my life whether that's in a formal education capacity the people who have taught me things are are those people who have profoundly impacted my life in the way that I think and I think we have such you know I want to say thank you to anyone who's listening and engaging in these conversations because that is the most important work that we can do but also the fact that we are here today and we're we're thinking about questions and leading with issues around equity and not just you know not just the the big statement of of access um, the fact that we're really coming to a place where we're 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 leading from the people who understand on a day to day basis what this looks like for for people's lives and in communities. And we're not sort of, we can stay really closely tied to those personal connections that I have stories of and you have stories of, and we all have those, those um, you know, really, really profound impacts of people who have, who have educated us and, and taught us in the past. The, I think if we keep that at the core of, and the driving force of the work that we're doing and we, you know, remind ourselves that numbers and statistics at the end of the day are people. Um, I'm really optimistic about the work that we're going to do as a community in the computer science education space, um, but also moving forward on some of the biggest issues that are facing us today. I love it. I love it. It's so good. Octavia, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm so glad uh, that I reached out and I'm so glad that you uh, said yes to join me here on this podcast. And so for everyone listening, you guys know that we will have all links and show notes in the show notes of everything that Octavia has mentioned. But if people want to reach out to you, where's the best place for them to uh, find you and your work if, if, if they want to know more about you and, and all the things that you're doing? Yeah, um, I'm at um, on Twitter at Octavia underscore Abel, and I'm sure we can we can post that somewhere. Yep, you, um, and you can also share my you have my email, so you yep. can share that as well. If people want to chat or collaborate, I'd love to love to hear from anyone. Awesome, Octavia, this has been so great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Aaron. Take care.